It's time for All Hands on Tech. Climb on board as hosts Amina and Isaac explore all the amazing things happening in Nova Scotia's tech sector. Each episode, we will chat with local experts to uncover the secrets of what makes Nova Scotia the best place for collaboration, innovation, and creativity. All Hands on Tech is proudly produced by Digital Nova Scotia, the industry association for Nova Scotia's growing tech sector. (laughs) On that note, welcome. To um, All Hands on Tech. I love it. We're really excited to have you both here today. Thank you. And, uh, you know, both yourselves, Peter and Sam, I want to give you both the opportunity to introduce yourselves and maybe introduce Shortstop a little bit and all the amazing things that you're doing. Now you go first. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So, hi, my name is Sam Archibald, um, and I'm here with my business partner, Peter Woodward, uh, and we together are the creative agency Shortstop. So we typically work with clients through um, marketing, advertising. Um, oftentimes it, that involves the digital world these yeah. days. Uh, and um, and yeah, we've been in operation for just over a year now, uh, based here in Halifax. I'm going to try and do the condensed version here because I can talk about it for a long time because there's a lot of tangents to go off of. Um, go off. This is your time. <laughs> yeah, this is, listen, we we facilitate the podcast, but this is your time to, to, to tell us everything. I went to school to NSCC uh, for software development to become, nice. back in the day, I was like, I'm going to build some piece of software that somebody's going to install on their computer via CD-ROM. I don't know why CD-ROM was always in my head. I'm like, that's how they're going to get it there, and that's how, what I'm going to do, which is laughable nowadays uh, because what computers even have disk drives anymore like that? Yeah. Um, and then I landed a job that was in web development, which was close, but it was kind of uh, it, it was the work placement piece uh, of NSCC that was required that I ended up starting in web development and stuck with it because it was kind of fun, a little different. Uh, I had a ton of autonomy where I was. I was the first in-house developer. Um, So I stuck it out there for a little while. That company made a transition to go less from being a web shop and more into being a marketing company. And that's when I was kind of like, well, this is kind of cool too. Um, Left that job. So I went to a different agency and um, was there for another six and a half years. I was at the first one for about five years. Um, and then that's where I met Sam and, uh, from there we just kind of said, had a conversation one day about just like what, what would it be like if we left and started our own thing and that was it. Yeah. The rest was history. The rest was history. Yeah. Was it that you guys made really good friends at the last agency or you just found that you worked well together? Like, is it a personal friendship or just really good business bromance? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'd, I'd say it's probably a lot more of a business bromance. We're both pretty uh, similar in the sense that we can be really focused on the work. Um, but, you know, it, that business bromance has definitely evolved into uh, a a more personal friendship, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I think we're both pretty focused. And if you were to talk to Peter and I separately, like, there's a little bit of a yin and a yang mm-hmm. approach to it. Um, you know, he's got a family, two kids. I have a husband and a cat. And, you know, we definitely aren't um, cut from the same cloth in every ways. Like the diversity of the way we approach problems is why I felt like it was strong to have him as a business partner. Um, and my background where Peter 
is in the was started in the kind of the software development and digital development space. Uh, my background was definitely a lot more in the uh, creative side of things. Mm -hmm. So I went to uh, NASCAD here in Halifax for a few years and then ended up finishing up my university degree in Ontario at OCAD, focusing on an advertising program. So that was quite interesting for me. And that, that space has always been sort of something that Peter and I get excited about is kind of making cool stuff and doing that in the pursuit of commerce and what we can do for businesses to help them grow uh, and be attractive to people that aren't necessarily even thinking about why I want to buy a donut from Tim Hortons. But <laughs> when somebody slaps um, Justin Bieber on the you know, uh, the advertising yeah. for it, it can it can have a huge impact, right? And yeah. so the people that can come up with those that thinking and that those ideas are sort of why we got into this business. So yeah, yeah sweet. I think that's awesome too. Like the you you reference like the yin and yang thing. Like I think it's really important when people do get together to create a business or organization, what have you. They aren't carbon copies of each other because mm -hmm. you need to power off of each other's strengths and also you know reflect on each other's weaknesses at times. Yeah, it. it I don't think it can work as well if they were carbon copies because yeah. inevitably you're just going to end up stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of something that we found really interesting when and we talked to a few people before we launched, um, actually other um, agency founders. We talked to five different agency founders um, from across the country when we before we launched. And every time we had the conversation of like, well, so like, okay, Sam, you know, your background is in advertising. So, so Peter, what's your background? And I'd say, well, you know, I'm a software developer. And they'd be like, that's a very odd pairing. But it might work because, oh, I, I, because I'd say it works perfectly because there's yeah. no overlap, especially getting started. It was like we could cover a lot more ground and what services we could offer by being two than, you know, if we were if we did have a bit more of a similar background. So. And how yeah. did you guys come up with the name Short Stuff? <laughs> uh, that was, you know, really we were spitballing a whole bunch of ideas <laughs> about what um what could potentially represent us and what we wanted to build. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that Peter is a big fan of the Blue Jays and, and the, the world of baseball in general. And so I started thinking about, okay, what does, what does, you know, what, what does ideas that fall into that space sound like and look like? And for some reason, the position of shortstop always interested me, even as a kid when I played baseball. But just this this notion that somebody kind of straddles the line between the outfield and the infield mm. um, was really important to us. And then also that you know they are typically a strong defensive player; they have to have a good sense of everything that's going on in the field. Yeah. Um, and then broader from that, for us, this notion of being a member of a client's team, so playing one position on a team versus uh -huh. trying to do everything for somebody, and also that we we really see ourselves as, um, you know, a member of that client's operation and, and their organization, whether that's the marketing team, whether that's the IT team, whether that's the, the executive team, we need to be thinking about ourselves not as a service provider or as a supplier for our clients, but really as a, a partner and a team member. Um, and so that's that's the genesis of the name and where it comes from. Did I summarize that well, Peter? Yeah, it's one of those things that we get asked that a lot. Um, and I wish it had a more fun uh, like origin story, but it really was very much just like spitballing ideas and 
I remember I remember saying when we were going through it, I was like, well, Sam, if you're going to start naming baseball positions, you know I'm going to try and pick one of them. And then we, like, for whatever reason, sh- like, when you named shortstop, Sam, I, it clicked in my head, and I was like, hold on. And, like, the search, it all just made sense. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, like, here's all the reasons why the shortstop exists and all that. Um, and uh, plus, I mean, you know, try and, try and go a day without making a baseball analogy. <laughs> like, it, like it's, it's so fun. It's, it's just a lighthearted kind of fun name that kind of and works hearing about well. your dynamic and what you both have your individual expertise in mm-hmm. and what a shortstop is in the world of baseball i feel like it's super relevant and it, it goes really it, it's well. very complimentary so kudos yeah. to you folks on <laughs> yeah. finding the perfect i know you name. both are being so humble being like oh it's not that interesting and we're like <laughs> no really creative yeah. you know we it could it. be like appreciate that you know Sam and Peter's marketing agency, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, there could that be, it could be a lot worse. You would have been booed off the stage. Yeah. That one. <laughs> if anything, we wanted to create the vibe of a space that people, it wouldn't feel like we take ourselves too seriously. Or also, if, yeah. you know, when we're looking to build out our team and find, you know, talented people who want to come work with us, uh, you know, if it felt like it was more like a fun kind of pickup of, of mm-hmm. baseball versus like the super serious, like we are, you know, innovation incorporated creative. Like for us, it was less, it was more about just kind of getting back to every instance we've been in a project with a client. It doesn't matter how creative you are, how technical you are with your code. If you're not able to work with other people mm-hmm. in a really natural way or kind of communicate with others and work together as a team, you can't actually produce anything so uh that was the differentiator for us and the reason why kind of that whole idea of teamwork was important to us in building the team yeah awesome so we we got some rapid fire questions for you and what we'll do is since there's two of you we'll ask like one and then isaac will ask the other yep and then there's like five so then you both can answer the last one for whatever reason if we ask another person a question and you feel very strongly that you want to give an input feel free we're not holding you too strongly (laughs) to them (laughs) Um, the first one, I'll direct it to Peter. Romantic comedy or thriller? Uh, romantic comedy. Mac or PC? Mac. Okay. Bagel or toast? Toast. The next one is WordPress or Squarespace? Oh, uh, Peter's going to get really mad if I say the wrong answer here. I'll, I know. I'll, I'll say WordPress. Does that check out for you, Peter? I will say either. Okay. Okay. Fair. Cool. Fair. Cool. And you both can answer this one because this one's kind of super fun. Model of the first computer you ever had? Mac 2. Wow. You just went right in there with Back that. Back in the day. Okay. Amina asked because we, when we were writing these questions, she wrote that down and I was like, I can't remember what my first computer was. Yeah. Apple 2. Apple 2. Wow. Back in the day. You yeah. knew that Like so instantly. fast. I say Mac 2. Like not going to date myself, but it was an old <laughs> computer by the time I was starting elementary school. Uh, Sam, do you right. remember? Do you, yeah, uh, do you remember? I had to look it up really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I saw the phone come out really Rude. sneaky, and I was I'm, like... I'm probably a little bit older than all of you, but uh, the first one for me was mid-90s, and it was a, I think it was a 486, a Penny M486. Mm-hmm. So I don't it, even know what yeah, it is. It might have had like 16 megabytes of like hard drive space, Yeah, which is kind of insane to think about right now but um <laughs> like i've kind of on that cusp of i can remember when we first got 
you know, 14.4 internet, like dial up. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of you maybe. Oh, I had dial up internet. And I remember the tone. I I won't embarrass myself and do it over the mic, but I remember what the sound was. I want you to make the noise. Mm -mm. (laughs) Hard hard pass. I'll uh, I'll get like a soundboard or something. (laughs) You don't want to hear me screech over the mic. (laughs) Yeah, but I remember like that having such a big impact on like, I mean, I'm of the age where I remember going to my school elementary and them having encyclopedias in the library yeah and it's it's you kind of reference this already too but um it's a very weird dynamic like anyone born even like early 90s even late 80s like we all kind of had the same childhood growing up because there was such a stagnant period from Mm -hmm. like 1995 to like 2003 yeah where there was like so much growth but also like no growth yeah so yeah it's interesting to think that like the 70s the 1980s and the 70s were so long ago, but that, you know, the, the 1990s were just almost like yeah. 20 years ago. Like that's yeah. still very oh, It hurts my head. <laughs> Sobering. I, yeah. When uh, someone told me, they were like, yeah, I was born like 2010. I was like, what? Oh. That's not a real birth year. You can talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. They're quick. They're learning quick. Yeah, today. exactly. Yeah. Kids these days, my goodness. So let's jump into some other, like not rapid fire, but general questions. Sure. And specifically because you folks spoke about the bromance of the business <laughs> world and the tech world. So yeah. how do you feel the tech community is here in Nova Scotia and what can we do to build and foster a stronger community? Because I know tech can be super isolating, working behind a computer all day, not necessarily Especially needing Especially the past few years. Yeah, in-person um, feature. How? What? Let's chat about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, to, to answer the first part, I mean, we in Halifax are exploding um from a development standpoint i feel like um there's there's tech everywhere um you know it, it's sort of um what is tech i'll kind of kind of is is, is, is the is the first question i guess but <laughs> but if i look at it purely like like sort of in line with what i went to school for is like you know writing code and and, and being a developer um there's a ton of opportunity um i think I'm I'm probably the the weirdest person to ask that question to because I'm I've built a career so far on not being the stereotypical developer. And what I mean by that is is from a from a technical standpoint, I do have the capabilities, but I know especially when I was in school, there was this sort of vision of what a developer looked like. And they were like, you know, you couldn't possibly understand what I'm doing. And there was that that attitude of like, I'm smarter than you. Like, it's like, I I could not build cabinets. So that doesn't mean that I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that, you know, I, I should be treated that way. And so therefore, why should I treat somebody else just because they're in a different industry that they don't know what I do? If this comes down to like you know inclusion in, in in tech and but you know there there was once upon a time where you could say what does a developer look like and be pretty darn close to what yeah. you know you could describe. I mean, um, <laughs> but like, um, but just having that extra diversity means there's a diversity in personality as well, and that's why I feel like it's getting better. Yeah. <laughs> Any um, thoughts, Sam? Like, what's the tech community like in Nova Scotia? And do you guys chat? Are there forums? <laughs> uh, it's hard. I mean, w- uh, hard to answer in the sense that Peter and I 
you know, we definitely operate within more on the marketing side of that that tech lens. Uh-huh. So I would say that you know, there's good conversations that can be had between um, people within the industry that we operate in, but where we are kind of this creative advertising marketing technology agency. Um, it's not always like I wouldn't say that I feel extremely connected to the local tech community. Mm. However, I think organizations like Digital Nova Scotia are perfectly primed to kind of help foster more of that community. Um, one of the things that we've recognized over the last, I don't know, couple, decade that we've worked in this industry is that it is very insular, at least on the marketing side. There is a lot of people that we know. Um, when it comes to tech and how tech incorporates into marketing day to day, there is sort of a cutoff though. And I would say that the room, the spaces that need to be opened up for more people in tech are often still kind of looked at as either tokens or not necessarily, um, you know, even, even given the same opportunity that, you know, somebody that is more, I'm going to say traditionally cis, traditionally white, traditionally male mm-hmm. is given in this space. So, um, for Peter and I, it was important when we started this business that we thought about, okay, what do we want to kind of leave in, in the reason why we're here? I mean, if we picked up and moved to Montreal or moved to Toronto, that would be fantastic. But I think one of the things we both love about this place is that um, there is you know, a great work-life balance to be had in Nova Scotia. And I think the more that we can in- attract really great clients as well as really great talent to kind of stay and work here, the better. Um, and then just to pick up on the idea of, you know, how important diversity is to our business, for us, diversity of thought is kind of what gives us the strength to be able to bring clients new ideas and new thinking. So if we don't have diverse voices or diverse people uh, in our spaces working with us, then, you know, we are not going to last. And that's kind of how we view it. Now, I, that comes that may come across as very kind of just, again, speak from somebody who's in a position of power and has a lot of privilege to be able to say these things. Although I think for Peter and I, the actions we're trying to take, whether it's, you know, not just looking at, okay, how do we give opportunities to to all different types of people so that they can get in on the ground floor, but then looking at, you know, what's the legacy? There's a lot of organizations out there right now that are trying to increase diversity, whether it's physical diversity with people of color across Canada in our industry, or uh, Peter and I have been involved with an organization called Pride AM, which is Pride Advertising and Marketing here in primarily Canada. Uh, we actually just finished up a report for them. Uh, and one of the depressing things that came out of that report, it was done in 2019, so before the pandemic, was that you know there's little to no trans individuals working in the advertising world. So for us, that's like to me, that's a red flag. But also, it gives us the opportunity to how do we create spaces for that? Mm-hmm. So whether those people don't feel feel comfortable enough to share this opportunity, um, or to you know just be a part of the industry that we're a part of, um, I think it's a lot of work systematically to change in order to, yeah. mm-hmm. to increase the community here in Nova Scotia. Um, we just want to play one little part in it. And mm-hmm. I think at least we recognize that there is room to grow. Because um, I would say that right now, it is very easy to get lost behind your computer screen. Solid, all valid. <laughs> and to your point where you said that, you know, you don't, you're not sure if you're the one to speak on it. You are the one to speak on it because you're the one that has to make space mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the people who don't even have the platform or the opportunity to speak on it. So mm-hmm. thank you.
Yeah, no, thank you. And it's to everything that you mentioned as well and kind of segueing into your next question uh, pretty perfectly. We've been <laughs> having a trend here on the podcast that whatever we talk about or whatever the guests mention, it always segues. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> so nice. Um, so maybe we could dive in a little bit into some of the really cool projects that you your team has done. And I know uh, most relevantly as we're recording this, I know you both have worked pretty closely with Halifax Pride, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I, not too sure how in detail you can go with that, yeah, but sure. um, any other any projects associated with Halifax Pride or other projects you want to talk about? Uh, with the Halifax community in general? Yeah. Anything you can speak Nova to. Nova Scotia, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, um, so two projects come to mind for me. One is Halifax Pride. Um, so I've been involved with that organization for a number of years, uh, and uh, they've thankfully given us the opportunity to kind of continue to work with them um, each year on what their festival theme is. Uh, this year in particular, we worked with them on, you know, trying to go back to a time and a space where Pride hasn't always necessarily, uh, or for the last few years, hasn't necessarily been able to exist for everybody in the physical presence that people are familiar with. Let's say the the Pride Parade, which is oftentimes what, what um, people think about when they think about any sort of pride uh, organization or, or, you know, it's the, oh, it's the Pride Festival or Pride Parade. We got to go watch that. Um, so it's been really fun for, for me and for Peter to kind of work on that on, with that client in order to, again, dig deeper. It's not necessarily about everyone having a party and it's not always necessarily about everyone somberly reflecting, but it's kind of a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the project in particular, we worked with them. We were able to organize and shoot a number of individuals within the, within the community, uh, kind of all built around this theme of reconnection uh, and what that means to, to folks. And uh, that was the theme for this year. Um, the other project I'm thinking about is Citywide uh, Communications, which is a local telecommunications organization. Uh, so that, you know they are your competitor to your Eastlinks or your Bells, um, and you know they offer fast, um, uh, good quality internet for a far less price. Um, we were able to create a you know advertising campaign for them that ran this uh, this spring, uh, kind of all built around the insight that. You know, children or young people in the home are oftentimes the most tech savvy. Uh, so yeah. perhaps parents should look <laughs> at those folks as the ones to uh, to help make some decisions or, or help at least guide them in those decisions. And, and so little tech experts was sort of the characters that we created. And wow. we're excited to kind of take that campaign forward uh, into the fall. That's so. a cool campaign. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting spin on on that. That is not the project I thought you were going to talk about. <laughs> please, please name another one. Yeah, um, <laughs> what's another one? This one was a really. This one is. There's a long story to this one. Um, this is one we ran before the holidays. Um, I I loved it for how rewarding it was and how much I learned uh, running through it. Um, but Sam and I were talking one day about, um, you know, it, it's it's typical for agencies to run some sort of holiday campaign, um, you know, usually a self-promotion thing. Um, but we're, we, we don't know how to promote ourselves very well, but we know how to promote other people. Um, and we had this thought um, for Halifax Mutual Aid. Um which anonymous organization that, you know, uh, helps build crisis shelters um, for people who 
have nowhere else to live. Wow. The, the, the tagline was sort of like, what is a home for the holidays? And we ended up, which was the, the long, the long version of this. It was, it was difficult uh, to kind of get started with it because it's an anonymous organization. But we saw that as a challenge that we could overcome and we kind of stuck with it. And we ended up partnering with um, uh, Metro Works and Stonehearth Bakery to put together uh, gingerbread kits. And it was dry ingredient for the simple idea that you make your own home for the holidays. So we saw photos on Twitter of people creating like a gingerbread apartment buildings Mm. or gingerbread whatever like i think they, there was enough in the kit to make like a small a small town or whatever yeah um, tear jerker right here yeah um yeah. and and the whole the whole idea was we were going to sell these kits and we were v- extremely transparent with with all the costing and where all the money was going towards it and i, th- I think it ended up raising around 4000 around f- around 4000 and then we topped it up um but we um but that was that was something that we kind of we had this ambition to g- get started on it by the time everything was actually ready to go we launched it just the first week of december because it's it was very difficult to how do we distribute these when we have we don't want to ship them and everything yeah. so we ended up partnering with a couple of uh, local businesses to act as pickup locations nice. so people were able to order online uh, and then choose their pickup location, and then we tell like the store would kind of be like, "Hey, did you order one?" Yeah, and they'd fulfill the orders. Um, and it was a lot of logistics that went in behind the scenes of it. But then it came down to promotion, and the promotional challenge was we weren't allowed to run billboards or do any kind of wow. advertising for an anonymous organization. Um, so it was a lot of social media. Uh, thankfully, they had a pretty good following and pretty good community. Uh, but then we also did business with a uh, an organization that does postering. So the way we got our, our message out is instead of doing billboards, because we weren't allowed to, um, which no shade to the billboard people, I completely understand. Um, <laughs> but uh, they have people that just go out and put up posters. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and it and it was it was super fun to kind of drive around the city and be like, "There's our poster." Uh, it felt kind of a little gorilla, and it was um, yeah, it ended up uh, being kind of a lot of fun, and it was a pretty big learning experience. And you know, we ended up doing a pretty good donation for for them. So yeah, and I mean, functionally, at the end of the day, we basically just set up a a really kind of quick Shopify site. Yep. So nice. from a technology side, it was fairly seamless and that allowed us to kind of do what we needed to do to facilitate it, take in the donations and, you know, exchange that for the kits. And yeah, for us, it was about reframing what the idea of their crisis shelters or this, this vision of um, a home is for the holidays. And that's such a topic that I think is still playing out in mm-hmm. our city right now. So yeah. really hits close to home. We mm-hmm. wanted to just try and find a way to give back in a manner that would, um, assist and you know is again as transparently as possible to be able to give as much money as we can to that organization to facilitate what they need to do to facilitate um but yeah i think that's a wonderful example of um having a sense of community within this industry that so much of us are working from home how fortunate that is to Mm -hmm. have a home to work from and you're finding a way to do something that's meaningful um that uses your talents and that will make an impact. So yeah. that's that's amazing. And it's, I remember seeing it, and it's I, I when I first saw it, I was like, that is so 
creative. Like, <laughs> I would never think about doing, like, a gingerbread house. And you guys even did, like, um, there's a couple different kits you could get. Mm -hmm. I think we wanted to create a kit that was really just dry ingredients. So working with a partner like Metro yeah. Works and Stone Hearth Bakery, they mm -hmm. were able to facilitate getting us all the candy, all the dry goods, and then people just needed to add some, some of the wet. And essentially, yeah. we're able to create. So what we did is we gave the recipe out for free, of course. And then we also, because if you couldn't afford necessarily to buy the kit, we didn't want that to be a barrier to anybody right. who wanted to participate, as well as we created uh, a number of gingerbread plans. So we had like an apartment building. We had like a multifamily, like a duplex. We had Sweet. a single family home. So that again, uh, it was all about, as well as incorporating a storybook with that parents could kind of read to their children and talk about the oh, issue. So yeah. it was about facilitating conversations between kids and parents about what is this issue and trying to make it a little bit more um, family friendly and something that can be talked about in yeah, a reasonable way. And then, you know, also kind of like soften that conversation and like really make sure that, you know, kids are learning about these things and yep. the importance of it. We also found that um, as, as the campaign kind of went on, there was discussion of like, you know, some of these other centers for like women and children, for example, they were like, we'd love to have these. And then you'd see online somebody go, yeah, I just ordered 25, send them over here. Awesome. So like other organizations were even getting these kits on behalf of other people um, to be able to do themselves. So it was, it was, it was really cool to see like all the community that was actually happening around it. And yeah. Yeah. Is there... This is not even a segue. It's just no. completely the next question. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't do that cool it. thing that I Isaac know. does. Don't worry about it. And it's like, it, listen, it yeah. just ends up happening that way for me. What's an unspoken rule in like the developer, marketing, tech world, in business, in the business of it, mm -hmm. but also just maybe the tech. You can speak to the techiness of it, Peter, and you can maybe speak to the business of it. I really like that question. I'm gonna sound like I'm trying to be cool here, but like, I've be never, cool. <laughs> I've never fastened like uh, found myself um, to be necessarily the rule follower. So, oh, you're bad boy over here, but Ooh. but there we go. Um, <laughs> we like a bad boy. There yeah. we go. Um, so so like I, I I none immediately come to mind other than like um, the the unspoken rule of. If it's on the internet, it's open source uh, in, in the sense that, like, you can write code and do your best to try and make it yours and, and, and make it um, unreplicatable. Um, <laughs> but as soon as it hits the internet, like, people can either A, reverse engineer it, can B, um, straight up just steal it, um, especially especially if it's, like, just web code. Um, so, so, like, I guess that would be the closest thing to an unwritten rule is it's like don't be precious about your stuff because anybody can take it ah, at any time mm. okay um, I'd, I'd just add to that and say I think I'm, I think it's an unfortunate unwritten rule but there's this kind of preconceived notion that you have to be like if I don't have the job title of being a creative or if I don't have the job title mm. of being a developer I oh. can't have a contribution to the project for is example it? so that's, that's oftentimes faced especially in our world like you know people can be siloed really quickly into mm -hmm. different roles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think the un, the unspoken rule is that they're really like anybody can be creative. Anybody can be, yep. I think, technical if you work hard enough at Absolutely. it and you want to be a developer. Like there's no reason why you can't be. But so often, you know, we get into patterns of thinking and working that, oh, this isn't my job or, oh, this isn't the way I need to work. And 
oftentimes the breakthroughs come when you push past that kind of mental barrier. That's yeah. a good point. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier that there's this whole um, stereotype that coders or developers have to be X, Y, Z, and mm -hmm. you can't mm -hmm. sit with us because yep. you don't understand what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And that kind of borrows from what you're saying because anybody can be a creative. Anybody can have like an mm -hmm. interesting thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or And also that um, I think my favorite thing is that so many people don't think coding is an art. Mm -hmm. It 110% is an art. Do you think so? Or maybe. I, I, yeah. Um, Feel free. I'm, I'm more than happy to debate. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 100%. So there's, um, it, it is. Uh, I, in fact, uh, if we talk about, like, it, not to heart make this about me again, but. Um, make it about you. That's why we're here. That's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter <laughs> show. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're going to retitle this episode. Yeah. Um, I, I, in high school, um, was lucky enough to have a course in Java development, which is what, like, you know, last year of high school, I was, I discovered what writing code looks like. And um, I was very fortunate because I had no sweet clue what I was going to do after, after high school. I knew I had to do something because <laughs> you have to do something. Um, but... Um, Direct quote from your mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and I was lucky enough to, to have this course. Um, but what I liked about it most was the fact that I didn't ever fancy myself very artistic, but I can problem solve and I can write code and I can, I can figure things out. And through code, I was able to, I mean, in high school, it was stupid stuff I was making, but it was like, it was like you could kind of create something and it, and like there was an art in, in the, not in my formatting, not in the way I my code actually looks, but um, in what I'm able to create. And the the biggest art I find in coding is the problems you're able to solve. And this is, I'm just gonna keep going here. Go but uh, uh, the uh, I I am of the belief that technology is not a showpiece. I am mm. of the belief that technology is a tool. Um, which doesn't really sound like a hot take. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about people saying, like, I built this cool thing and I wrote this cool thing and it's like, cool that it's that you like it. But like, was it useful? Mm -hmm. Like, did it change anything for the person who is paying you for it? Ah. Uh, that's sort of and that's why Sam and I work well together is it's like we're both very uh, it needs to work. Mm -hmm. And that's ideas, that's code, that's anything. It has to work. It has to make a difference. I never thought about tech in that way. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, it, it is true because so many people, they get the pedestal out and they're like, look at this cool software I just developed. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, okay, like, what does it actually do? Like, what can you take that and What's apply the application? it to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You look at all the websites that are out there right now um, that are like winning awards for like this amazing experience and this amazing blah 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 look at how technically fantastic this website is and it's like i go on them i'm like i can't use this mm -hmm. what where am i supposed to be going next why when i scroll does it do this why is this and like it's just not it's not for everybody it's like that's okay as like a singular campaign but if that's my only website if that's the only way that i'm able to try and get my message out to a customer it sucks mm. one of the things in advertising that's really important for every brand or business out there to think about is the goal of advertising is to make sure that you are easy to easy to think of and easy mm -hmm. to buy, right? Mm. So if you are not 
familiar enough to somebody, that's a problem that advertising can solve. Similarly, advertising can help make you easier to buy by pointing out to people where you can be bought or how to buy you. Yeah. Um, but as well, it goes back to why you know we like to be effective in the work that we do. And that's, um, I think that's what Peter was getting at as well. Yeah. So what advice would you give someone who's new to the tech space in Nova Scotia? It's a very loaded question. <laughs> Lots of potential answers to it. Yeah, it's it's hard to think about the individual that uh, is curious. I mean, if they're if they're curious on like the job prospects for sure. If they're interested, if we're talking, if we're thinking about somebody, whether they're a student or whether they're looking to change careers late in life, um, which whatever, whatever. I I think. The one piece of advice I would say you have to be is persistent, which can be really difficult, especially if you like to sit behind a computer and your uh -huh. social interaction exists through mm -hmm. social media. Mm -hmm. um, but persistence and kind of putting yourself out there and shooting your shot, asking for something that you really want and being clear and direct about that is is really important. Um, Solid advice. Yeah. I um, have been lucky enough that NSCC has asked me back a few times. Shout out to NSCC. To, shout out to Because you mentioned them so many times. I, I, I have, I, it's so funny. I still, I own this business, but still imagine myself working for NSCC for some reason. And it's, it's truly because um, my first year at NSCC, I found an instructor who was incredible. He was brilliant. He, uh, really he delivered on a lot of the non-technical things as well mm. as the very technical thing because he's like their main it person in intro his name is sean morrow if we can Shout plug out. that sean i i don't know if you'll ever hear this but uh <laughs> send him the link to the I, podcast. Yeah, i guess i'm gonna have to now but sean like i mean i think you understand um how much i appreciate everything you did for me uh but um They've been they've invited me back, um, never for web, which th there's another plug, Sean. If you want me to ever come back, please ask me to come back for web. Oh, um, but um, but they've asked me to come back to do uh, mock interviews. So that was a thing that they do. Like they, they, it was it's usually been game development students that I've been doing it with, um, but developers nonetheless. So I've been lucky enough to actually see kind of who's coming up and who's who's kind of like breaking in. Um, I always, always, always say the same things to people. It's like, your code is great. Technical skills sound. You can learn them on the job, but it's your soft skills that you need. You got to be able to work with people. You got to be able to, you know, not be that annoying person in the office. You got to, mm -hmm. because you are never going to advance the same way as you can as if you're a person first. Mm -hmm. Person first, normalize being human. That's yeah. right. In this industry, yeah. I think that's our over encompassing like yeah. value for Theme this podcast. For Every podcast episode, it's been like, just be human. Just be human. Right. Well, because of the industry we're in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's easy to get caught up in like, what What's the bottom line? What are my numbers? What are we contributing? Is this making sales? Is mm -hmm. this selling? Is this appealing? Is yeah. this attractive? But it's human beings behind the screen who are doing these jobs. Yeah. And we have to remember that. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, the dollars are not the reason to get into the industry. They're there. I'm not going to lie. I'm, oh. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that the dollars aren't there for Tell tech, the good people. But they're there. <laughs> uh, the other thing I will say is um, there's there's humility in in it 
to kind of get started. Like don't assume that you're worth top dollar as soon as you get started because the reality is, is if you're untested, if you're a student, you're untested and the company that hires you is taking a risk. Facts. And so appreciate that. Appreciate the companies that offer you a risk and and understand that if you do take a little bit less pay than you're expecting to have, that you're not there the rest of your career. You can mm-hmm. do whatever works best for you, but just don't assume that you're worth absolutely everything as soon as you get going. Wow. Yeah. You got to kind of build yourself up. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Thank you both. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your time and giving us some really, really good stuff too. Yeah. No, this was fantastic. We appreciate you you both taking the time and having such a insightful conversation on the wild world of shortstop. Yeah, no, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you you so much. Thanks for tuning in to All Hands on Tech. Interested in learning more? Visit us on our website at www.digitalnovascotia.com. We'll see you next time. This has been a Podstarter production. production.